0: All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840.
1: How do you know when someone may be contemplating suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. This person will often exhibit certain warning signs, indicators such as their talk, like killing themselves or having no purpose in life, their behavior, like drug abuse, withdrawal from others, or abnormal sleep patterns, or their mood, like being depressed or having anxiety, can all be warning signs. So mental health professionals are now encouraging you to engage in dialogue with those who appear to be at risk. By talking openly about suicide, asking if they are okay, and listening to their feelings, you may save their life. To find out more, please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. This is Dr. Ryan Sappo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision specializes in pediatric
0: eye care and vision therapy. We partner with a national infant eye exam program called Infant C, which provides eye exams for any baby under 12 months old. Many of the major childhood eye problems, such as lazy eyes, eye turns, and ocular diseases, can be detected in this early intervention exam. Infant C eye exams can be scheduled online at www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud supporter of babies everywhere and a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio.
2: Welcome back, and thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you from our studios in the uh, near Southside Historic District in beautiful but still snow covered uh, downtown Grand Forks, North Dakota. That will be changing rapidly with uh, increasing temperatures and the rain. Well, sure, because
3: there's more snow coming. So, is this our Fourth or fifth start of winter now. We've had, it's cleared cleared
2: (laughs) out four or five times. Yeah.
3: We we, we probably should give our listeners a warning about uh, a month from now when you are going to be absent.
2: Yes, sadly I will not be here And the next time when uh, we would be hosting Because I'm going to be on my annual retreat I'm going to be down at uh, St. John's Abbey in Collegeville And uh, my spiritual director is not far from there So I'll get a chance to uh, visit with him And have him uh, st- help uh, steer the ship I'm really looking forward yeah, to Yeah, Father time.
3: Gross doesn't know this yet But he's going to be required to step out of his retreat For two hours on Thursday the 19th To uh, help conduct this uh, I'm going to
2: have program. to hide my cell phone At that time <laughs> of the week So that (laughs) Now, if you happen to miss any of today's show, you can find the podcast at realpresenceradio.com, on Spotify, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcasting platforms. And just remember that website, realpresenceradio.com, for updates on programming schedules and the opportunity to leave prayer requests and to join in in prayer with uh, your brothers and sisters through the listening area. Well, here for our final segment uh, of the day, we have with us... Adam Bartlett uh, to talk about an important project in helping parishes in praying the Mass uh, more fervently. Welcome to Real Presence Live.
0: Great to be with you.
2: Hey, hey, Adam.
3: It's this is Father Leffer talking. I'm I'm so super excited um, that we have the privilege of having you on air. We have a potential two and a half million listeners right now who are tuning in, which makes me super excited. Um, you know, before we get into the whole source and summit and all behind that. I personally find your story and your discovery of liturgy and your your experience with music and coming to it um, so very stimulating and, and just inspiring. Could you at least give us a little nutshell of your own kind of personal journey towards beautiful liturgy?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I grew up in a, you know, small midwestern town with kind of, you know, typical liturgical and musical experience in my childhood sort of came from a nominally Catholic, you know, uh, culturally Catholic family that would go to Mass most of the time, but, you know, maybe not uh, uh, at other times. And so uh, I wouldn't say that I had a a super strong, you know, faith in my my childhood, but being a musician and going to Catholic school, I got pulled into uh, liturgical music, so I really from about the third grade was involved and throughout high school and so forth, and and about, you know, that time, I became really, looking back, a, a subject of the new evangelization, you know, uh, attended youth conferences, and really, you know, kind of was re-evangelized and became very much uh, engrossed in, I guess, you know, we could call contemporary uh, music, uh, praise and worship music, and so forth, and, and gravitated toward that in my late teen and early 20s um, and then when I went to college, I went out At west. that time, yeah, Adam, at
3: that time, when you were late teens, early college, what were your, your personal instruments of choice that you were good at? Was it like guitar and <laughs> things like that?
0: Yeah, so my, my dad threw a guitar in my lap when I was very young, and, uh, and I, yeah, I played the guitar throughout uh, my youth and, and uh, played in various rock bands. And actually, it was my ticket into music school as well when I went. I, I uh, you know, did some classical and jazz studies on the guitar as well.
3: See and I I think I think it's important for the listeners to hear that because I think sometimes we you know we have this temptation to draw a dichotomy or to like kind of segment our liturgical experiences or we think well, it has to be this way or that way and and that's why I think like your story is so powerful because this is where you're coming from it's it's part of the journey so there you are a young person and keep going with your story
0: Yeah so I found myself in oh. uh in in Phoenix Arizona went to Arizona State University music school and also, in the, the birthplace of light teen, uh, so um, I I was actually a light teen uh, music director during college, and actually, uh, go ahead and throw this out too. I met a young young uh, uh, colleague by the name of Matt Marr, who uh, was at a nearby parish, and you know, gigged a little bit with him and uh, others, who I think you know were very much on the cutting edge of the Catholic music scene. You know, at that time, this is almost twenty years ago now. Uh, and you know, got very much involved in that world. But uh, I would say that, you know, with my experience of music and liturgy, I, I in, in studying music, uh, I kind of discovered this rich sacred music tradition that the church has, and I wanted to understand it more. And I and I and I and I fell in love with it, and wanted to find a way to, you know, re-present that and integrate that in some way in our liturgical experience today. So. Oh, I ended up you, going off. And, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the
3: beginning there, didn't you, didn't you like um, kind of start to reinvent the wheel in a certain way, like saying, I want to <laughs> take my contemporary um, uh, protest and how good I am here and take the sacred music and bring it into the contemporary world?
0: Yeah, that, that was sort of my first intuition. You know, and, and I, I continue to be in, involved in contact and mentorship with... Uh, you know, a lot of younger, uh, contemporary musicians. And that's sort of a, an instinct, you know, is to say, how can I sort of fuse elements of this tradition into, into what I'm doing? Right. So, uh, sometimes we sort of rediscover older Hindi or, you know, older chants and so forth and create this kind of, you know, maybe we'll put a, put a drum beat under a Gregorian chant or something. And, uh, and that's fun, you know, for a while and can be interesting. Um, but really what I realized is that if I'm going if I'm going to do that effectively I need to understand the sacred music our sacred music heritage on its own right so I ended up seeking out uh, the mentorship of a Benedictine monk who taught me uh, you know it gave me a fully immersive uh, kind of uh, introduction to Gregorian chant and you know I just dove, head over heels into uh, the world of Gregorian chant and and uh, and applied myself to it and discovered, you know, the riches of, of our polyphonic tradition and so forth. And, and really, once I, I did that, I, I became, you know, so engrossed in it that I, I sort of just continued down that path and ended up becoming a, a parish and cathedral music director in Phoenix. I went on to study the liturgy at the liturgical institute at Mundelein, I ended up teaching liturgical chant at Mondelein uh, for a few years and and then segue back, actually, to my roots in some ways uh, through a collaboration with Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University yeah. Students, and uh, I've been directing a sacred music choir at the Seat Conference since about, I think, 2016.
3: Yeah. Now, I have a couple just pointed questions in that journey. So, So there you are when you're discovering the sacred music through the Benedictine monk and going through... So first of all, As you're making that transition, what what were the pros and cons that you're finding of trying to bring sacred music into the contemporary kind of format? What's the pros and the cons of that, and why did it cause you to go deeper in the sacred route?
0: Well, you know, I think what this really boiled down for me, ultimately, what I uh, uh, I would say that it was a kind of uh, tension, you know, that I had to reconcile. One is that you know, on on the one hand, uh, music that had a very powerful evangelical and kind of devotional effect on me and my re, con- you know, my my conversion, reversion, uh, and in those, you know, particularly in those early years of building up my faith and my love of Christ and my commitment to the church and uh, and so forth, I, I knew that that was very real. It was very powerful, and 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 I I, I knew. That that I, I didn't want to negate that in any way, and I can I see that happening with you know thousands of young tens of thousands of young people, you know, every year at a focus conference and so on. So there's power in that, but then on the other hand, when we took that same sort of spirituality and that same music into a liturgical context, there there was an innate sort of tension there that's difficult to uh, to resolve. So the resolution for me is actually. Uh, you know, reading what the Church has to say about what the liturgy is in distinction to the devotional life. You know, the way yes. that we pray in devotion and the way that we, uh, that we evangelize. <clears throat> There's a okay. distinction between those various realms, and each of them has music that serves their purpose.
3: Okay, before we, because we're gonna, we'll take a break here in a couple of minutes, but, and then we'll dive deep into the source and summit expression of all this. But one, one last kind of on a personal note, C- can you share with us just what did what did you experience in your soul as you? Because this is a really deep and intimate journey that you're on to these whole levels of discovery, and so all of a sudden when your soul is transitioning more to that that's the sacred music and through especially the tutelage of the Benedictine monk and so forth. I mean, Adam, what did you experience, like, pers- on that personal level? What-, what did the sacred music and that expression of the Gregorian uh, the chant, what did it do to you personally?
0: Yeah. Well, I-, I think that, you know, after my kind of big conversion uh, time, uh, I had an intellectual conversion, like, theologically, you know, I kind of, I, I-, I almost straight away and became an evangelical, you know, Protestant, but I read my way back theologically into the Church. I think the same thing happened with music and liturgy. Um, I really kind of understood what the church uh, uh, offered us and, and applied myself to that. And then really dis- discovered that there's a way to pray with the church, you know, also through the liturgy of the hours and in praying the Psalms, and, and that, that, you know, we're, we're also praying with the saints, you know, <laughs> over 2,000 years who have come before us. And I think that becoming, uniting my liturgical prayer in my, my soul, really, to, to the prayer and the experience of the saints uh, uh, who have gone before us in, in the liturgy of heaven was, was profound. You know, I'm praying with the Church universal.
2: Fantastic. So um, before we hop into this break, uh, Adam, if you could just uh, introduce us to the product, uh, sourceandsummit.com is uh, the website for the product that you have. And that uh, phrase is familiar to a lot of us as Catholics from the Second Vatican Council, describing the Eucharist as uh, the source and summit of the Christian life. So can you just give us a, a quick introduction to what this product is that you are offering?
0: Yes, so Source and Summit is uh, uh, the name of the apostolate that provides uh, the Source and Summit Missal. It's a a pew missal that contains uh, readings and hymns, but also chants for the entire liturgical year in a simple, accessible, uh, uh, beautiful way. And then there's an accompanying digital platform that uh, assists uh, music directors and coordinators and even pastors in preparing music and uh, uh, other elements of the liturgy in a very simple and easy to use way
2: very good and i think we should uh, just clarify for people who may not uh, understand that we're using the term missile spelled m i s s a l uh, not to be confused with missile m i s s i l e you're not uh, shooting things out of the air uh, with with your product here so <laughs> the the source and summit missile um we'll uh, when we come back after this break we'll be talking about um the uh, the the ways in which this can really uh serve uh, uh the um congregation that use it, and uh, the the need that presented itself that you're trying to meet. So we're visiting with Adam Bartlett, uh, talking about the source and Summit missile and his apostolate with that, and we'll continue after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live.
4: This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the
2: Rosebud Reservation in the Rapid City Diocese, and I'd like to invite all of you who are listening to please, please pray for your priests, whether it's your pastor or priests in your diocese, priests who are suffering, priests who are struggling. You know, there, there's a line about people who work in law enforcement, and they're called a thin blue line. You could also say there is a thin black line that priests stand between the good and evil, the battle between good and evil in our world. And so we have a target on each of our backs. The devil doesn't want us to succeed in our work of reconciliation and bringing the love of God into the world. And so he especially targets us with his temptations. And that's why we need your help to insulate us, to protect us, to
1: help us persevere in our vocations. Are all sins forgivable, even suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Jesus said that there's only one unforgivable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit. Basically, that means dying without repenting. But how can someone who dies suddenly, such as by suicide, have a chance to repent of any sins? Jesus tells St. Faustina that he comes to the soul at death and gives them three opportunities to repent. Regarding suicide, Catechism 2283 says, By ways known to Him alone, God offers them the opportunity for repentance. In essence, the only unforgivable sin is not accepting the mercy of God. So to learn how to help your loved ones do just that, please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help.
4: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome
2: back for our final segment of Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross, priest of the Diocese of Fargo from our Grand Forks studios. A reminder that you can hear most weeks' encore presentations of the programs on your uh, local Real Presence uh, radio signal on Saturdays. Beginning in order from Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Central, 5 a.m. Mountain Time, we're going back to our conversation with Adam Bartlett and this uh, product that you are offering for Parishes um, Source and the Source and Summit missile. Now there are a lot of different companies that provide you know similar things like that. Some of the more uh, conventional publishers that one may hear about, uh, other uh, sorts of groups. What? kind of, um, you know, what is really looking to set apart, what are you looking to do with uh, the Source and Summit missile that would set it apart from, from most all of those other options?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, when you when you hold the Source and Summit missile, the first thing you'll see is, you know, it has, it has a very striking beauty to it. You know, beautiful art uh, on, on the cover and quality materials. And that's, you know, one element that we're really trying to elevate is there's just the physical, you know, quality and appearance of the Missile uh, face value. But when you go into it, you'll find many elements that you'll find in a conventional Missile. You'll find the lectionary readings for Sundays and responsorial psalms and the order of mass, mass settings, and a selection of hymns and devotions, etc. We we kind of follow that established uh, paradigm. But the the most distinct element that you don't find in other missiles is that we provide the uh, musical settings for the antiphons and the, the proper text of the Mass for every day, even, even on weekdays. Uh, in those proper texts, they're texts from Scripture, short little texts. Sometimes you, we recite them, right, at daily Mass, or you might see them in the work but, but in common practice, we often sing hymns and other songs in their place. Uh, which interestingly is the last option that were that were given uh, in the church's instruction. So the the first option is to sing those texts along with psalm verses and canticles that are paired with them in the liturgical books. So
2: yeah, a, a great number yeah, of people would think it's just the opposite, right, from their uh, you know own experiences.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. But, so there's been a, a real you know sort of rediscovery of these sung proppers I would say in the last twenty years. And you know, the, when we talk about Gregorian chant, and you, we might hear, you know, Vatican II being quoted as saying uh, Gregorian chant should be given the main place of the liturgy, and that that's definitely said by Vatican II. Uh, but what that means really is that the the texts of the mass, the text of the liturgy, are set to music in what we call Gregorian chant. So even today, the church publishes books that contain. Those texts and those melodies for the entire liturgical year, but they're all in Latin and they're all, all very, actually quite complicated. So, what you find in the Source and Summit Missal really are those same texts, but in English and in simplified, accessible, even congregation friendly musical settings uh, that, that are being sung in hundreds of parishes uh, across the country effectively already.
2: Yeah, and just uh, just to quickly here, Father Leffer, I wanted to mention, as you look on your website, sourceandsummit.com, and you see some of the examples, I think a lot of people, when they think of various chants, they get uh, rather intimidated because the way the, the staff will look and the notation, you know, it's, it's unfamiliar to them, or is it going to be like eight notes or ten notes per syllable, and is it going all over right. the place? Uh, it, it looks like you've really managed to demystify a lot of that by, you know, the intention of how you, um, you know, of, of, of what the layout is.
0: Yeah, exactly. So uh, everything is in modern notation, which, you know, takes away some of the intimidation factor, uh, for sure. Melodic simplicity, especially for those antiphons. Uh, also for the math settings. There are also over 400 hymns in English, Spanish, and Latin uh, in, in the missile. So it makes it an, an all-in-one book. Uh, but then, you know, if you ever want to start moving, you know, it, it upward and exploring more of these musical riches of our heritage, uh, those are all found, in addition to the music found in the missile on the Source and Summit digital platform. So that's a, an innovative, you know, there's really nothing like it, uh, uh, software uh, resource that some parishes right. subscribe to only, or it also comes with subscription to the missile. So all the music for your cantor yeah. your, oh. and your choir can be found there
3: i'll I'll give a testimony about it, Adam I mean all, full disclosure this is the missile that we use in my three parishes, and I am Father Gross can testify to you i 'm one of the least musically inclined or competent people on the face of the earth. I've really struggled with this my whole life, but i can I can go into that digital platform. It is set up in such a wonderful way that somebody like even myself, I can understand it, comprehend it, and be able to put together an absolutely beautiful liturgy that you're as one person said to me. Father, you're able to take a bunch of old people, young people, um, uh, people here, here, and we're able to do this all together. And, and it's because, Adam, of the resource that you have put together here on the, the digital platform.
0: Well, we have an amazing team, you know, cutting-edge uh, designers and, and, and engineers who have put together an amazing product, and we're just so excited for parishes to continue to discover it.
2: Now this is an annual resource, right? So if someone were to purchase the missile, it is for the the, the dates and the celebrations of that liturgical year, and something that is uh, to be renewed, correct?
0: Yep, that's exactly right. So you have a date, you know, for every mass, and it follows sort of the established convention. Uh, the price point is, you know, the, the same or even even cheaper than a lot of the uh, the other alternatives, and then a uh, digital uh, 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 missile subscription uh, uh, missile tier to the digital platform comes with every missile subscription uh, for free as well.
3: And and one of the things that I think is so awesome, Adam, is that uh, you and your team, you're open to input for we at the parish level of what works, what doesn't work, and you take it and actually then uh, adjust the missile to really work in real time um, at the parish setting. It's been a super cooperative uh, venture from my perspective as a priest in our parishes, and to you, uh, the product that we have ended up with. It really is helping us, on on the ground level, do beautiful liturgies in a simple way.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's so heartening, Father, and we're here to serve you and to serve parishes. So it's great great to get that feedback.
2: Yeah, a lot of places that I've been at, you know, with the various resources, whether it be kind of a multi-year hymnal uh, resource or various other things, there are people who complain that it just, you know, as older people, the the book might be rather large and cumbersome, you know. They'll say, like, they're it feels like they're holding the JCPenney catalog in their hands or something like that. So, you know, I'm sure that you guys were thinking about some of the logistics of the size of the book and kind of the feel and, you know, the, the actual use of it. In, in the church setting.
0: Yeah, you know, we prioritize beauty, which, you know, involves every element of the form. So it's a very manageable, beautiful, uh, you know, experience when you use this in a liturgical setting.
2: Very good. Well, Adam Bartlett, thanks so much for taking time to uh, describe this uh, resource. And if you can give us that website one more time for more information about this product.
0: Yes, yeah, so you can go to sourceandsummit.com. Sign up for a free trial for the digital platform, request a free sample copy of the Missile for your parish, uh, or learn more about uh, what Source and Summit has to offer, SourceandSummit.com.
2: Yeah, and as the saying goes, what do you have to lose, right? <laughs> Thanks so much, Adam, <laughs> hey, and sure. uh, blessings to you and your Easter season.
0: Well, you as well, Fathers. Thanks for having me on.
2: Thank you very much. And uh, before we wrap things up today, we need to toss over to uh, Eli at Command Central with a preview of our next show. Hey, thanks, Father. You, you uh, touched on it a little bit earlier, but yeah, tomorrow's Great. show is kind of being taken over by the uh, Knights of Columbus. So our first hour will be hosting live from the North Dakota Knights of Columbus Convention here in Fargo. Mark Holcraft. We'll be talking with Mike Steiner, the state deputy for the North Dakota Knights of Columbus, about what led him to the Knights. Plus, Father Chad Wilhelm from the Diocese of Fargo will talk about the impact of the Knights of Columbus on their communities. Then, for Hour 2, Teresa Curley and Mike Kudrowski are coming to you live from the South Dakota Knights of Columbus convention in Deadwood, South Dakota. They'll talk with Scott Cunningham, the state deputy for South Dakota, about what it means to be a state deputy. And Father Wayne DeKaiser from the Diocese of Sioux Falls will tell us about being a spiritual leader for the Knights of Columbus. All that and a whole lot more is coming up on tomorrow's Real Presence Live. That's 9 to 11 a.m. Central here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Right back to you. Thank you very much, Eli. And so, uh, Father, I was just thinking about uh, in in the last couple of minutes that we have here in the show, as we're getting close to summer, people are thinking about travel plans, and there's a great... uh, tradition of pilgrimages, whether it be something that is, you know, uh, halfway around the world, some of the popular pilgrimage sites, or, you know, more local places, and, you know, I was thinking about some of the great pilgrimage sites that may be available locally. One idea that I had, and I actually led a single-day bus trip with some parishioners a few years ago um, uh, when I was at uh, St. Anthony's in Fargo, if you'd look at Central Minnesota and Stearns County, Minnesota, there are numerous uh, gorgeous parishes and, and cemeteries in uh, a lot of those small towns, you know, um, uh, around uh, St. Cloud, a couple of the names in particular, people may be more familiar with right along I-94 would be uh, Freeport, uh, Albany, Avon, um, other towns like uh, Piers and Richmond, Little Falls, uh, Our Lady of Lords. Uh, I it, It's a, uh, isn't it know, called not the, so far it's away? It's called the triangle or something. What's the famous name down there of the, the, the
3: three, those three prominent churches that you see from the interstate. I probably Gary Benz there's some name. The, the
2: okay. Tri- yeah. Tri-Norford, I'm not, a, I'm not familiar with that name, but I think yeah. it's
3: Freeport when you're driving on I-94, it looks like yeah. driving right into the church and then it the curves at the last. Oh, minute,
2: right. There. Yes. Yeah. That's one of them. And then, you know, Melrose uh, built a, a new parish as well as um, uh, other places like a uh, new Munich. So keep your eyes open for that. And, and let's not just think about, uh, you know, getting out of Dodge, but having that spiritual purposeful um, approach so uh, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Real Presence Live may Almighty God bless us and uh, keep us in his care until next time blessings to you and your families
4: this has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network